This is Nathaniel, and I'd like to share with you how to know for sure you're going to heaven. I need you to hear me that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. God sent him to this earth 2,000 years ago. He is true God, and he became truly man as well. He was born in Bethlehem in Israel as it was prophesied that he would be from the prophet uh, Micah in the Old Testament. And he lived a perfect sinless life as true God and true man. Um, he always had been God, but in becoming man, he became one of us. And thereby was um, began the walk of qualifying himself as the sacrifice um, for sin that we needed in a Savior. He lived a perfect life without sin, which was part of that qualification. He could have sinned, but he, but he never did. He, he lived in a human flesh, blood, and bone body as, as we do with all the, the, the pulls of the flesh, the world, the devil, temptation, he overcame every test. And at the age of about 33, he was crucified on a cross in Jerusalem, just outside of the Jerusalem of that day. And as he was, God put on him, on Jesus, the sin of every person, of every generation, past, present, and future. He paid the, the sin punishment and the punishment for the nature of sin for the entire human race. In fact, um, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah speaks about, about this in uh, chapter 53. And he says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. And this goes into the, his suffering on the cross, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was marred beyond recognition in the torture and um, beating that he took before even getting to the cross. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one to his own way. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he opened not his mouth. He, the Spirit of God led him to not defend himself in, in trial and, and to go to the cross. And he didn't resist that, but he took it. And he took it as our substitute. The Psalms speak of mercy and justice. In fact, there's a, a verse that says, I will sing of mercy and of justice. How can a God be how can God be a God of mercy and justice at the same time? Because if justice is truly satisfied, it has nothing to do with mercy. Well, in God's system of justice, he allows the innocent to stand in for the guilty. And Jesus was that one, was the only one who was able to do that for us. The Bible says that Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world. So from the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, uh, yielded to the the devil in the form of a serpent in the Garden of Eden and sinned, the whole entire human race after them was consigned to a sin nature. We call it original sin. And we were all born into that. So that when we get old enough to know right from wrong, we always do wrong. And there's none, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus is described in the writings of Paul as the second Adam. And he came back to restore our right standing with God, to restore the glory of God into our lives, and to um, deliver us from, from that wretched sin nature, so that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, then the, the debt of sin that he paid for me applies to me. But it only applies to me when I personally choose to believe it and to accept it. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, and a little bit earlier, let me just read that in uh, Romans chapter 10. God has revealed all these things to us. So you can, 
know. Um, if you're saved, you can know if you're lost, you can know if you're hot, you can know if you're cold, you can know um, if you're in sin, if you're not. Um, the Bible teaches issues of, of, um, of conscience and, um, and grace. Let's read here in um, Romans chapter 10. But what does it say? The word is near you in your heart and in your mouth. Excuse me, I said that wrong. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on, on him will not be put to shame. For, and then verse 13, <clears throat> for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when, when you do that, and let me say let, let me address why you can do that. It's because God created all of us with a free will. He made us in his own image and likeness, and one of the characteristics of, of uh, being made in the image of God is that we have free will. My pastor calls it free moral agency. We can choose uh, which way we want to go in life, which path we want to follow. And when you choose Jesus, when you choose to believe when God gives you faith to believe from, from hearing his word, as, as I'm speaking right now, and you make a decision, I believe that, then you call upon Jesus and you say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead for me so I could have eternal life and the blessings of this life. Come into my heart, be my Savior and be my Lord. When you call upon him in that manner, then, then the Holy Spirit of God comes on the inside of you and regenerates your spirit, which is the real you. It's the part of you that lives on after this life. It he, the Holy Spirit regenerates your spirit and the, the old um, spirit that was full of death and darkness uh, is 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 gone or is totally recreated <clears throat> and you're now indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God so that when your body dies your spirit can go up and will go up to God in heaven not down and that experience is called being born again it's not a a physical experience that you can feel. Some people, um, you know, have emotional sensations when, when that happens or, or feel something. But we, we do this by faith, accepting Jesus in our heart and believing his word that when we call on the name of the Lord, we are saved whether we feel anything or not. And this experience is called being born again. And it's what Jesus spoke of 
in John chapter 3 when he said, Most assuredly I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. <clears throat> For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There was a, a time when I was riding in a red pickup truck in North Iowa with a, with a, um, a Baptist brother. I visited his church a, um, a, several times, I think, and just going down the road, he was so thankful to God in heaven for that, that he was saved. And, and, and he would just keep on saying over and over again, man, thank God I'm saved. And he knew that he was saved and his church preached it faithfully all the time. And, and he, and that, that word of salvation and, and that he was, was redeemed was so, uh, settled in his heart. And he was so full of thankfulness to God that we're just driving down the road and I'm listening to him. Thank God I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. He was so thankful. And uh, that's, that's exactly how, how it is and, and how we all should be thankful to God for that. What else do I want to say? I want to address the fact that salvation from God is a free gift which cannot be earned. And um, over in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, even when you were dead in trespasses, even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now here's the verse I brought you here for. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're saved by the grace of God through faith. Faith is believing, and that's, that's, that's our part. Grace is God's part. The faith is, is our part. We choose to believe. And, um, and even the faith to believe is the gift of God. Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. And in giving us his word, his word produces faith in our hearts. Preaching produces faith in, in hearts. Um, but salvation is a free gift. You cannot earn even a small piece of it, because if you could earn even a small piece of your salvation, then you would have something to boast about or take pride in and say, well, look what I did. 
I accomplished this uh, by being a good person and never committing any of the major sins. And so but then that invalidates the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and, and with God it's all or nothing. We come to him as a child and by the way children have no pride issues with receiving gifts. Children are happy and ready to receive free to, to receive gifts all the time. And we come to God as a child. Jesus said, if you don't come as a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And so it coming to him from a place of humility when we sense him drawing and on, on our hearts, we need to respond to that. Believing in Jesus is the first step. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, he died for your sins and rose from the dead, that's the first step. But that in and of itself does not bring you to salvation. Believing is the first step. The second step is acting on what you believe and, and inviting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior calling him your Lord by faith. And when you do that, the miracle of regeneration, the new birth, occurs on the inside of you, and God becomes your father. You become his child. You come into his covenant with all of the redeemed. And, and when you die, you can be assured that heaven is your home. You also need to be baptized in water as an act of obedience. Um, and it's also, it's an act of, of um, demonstrating to the world around you that you identify with Jesus, that, you're, you, that you are his and he is yours. Um, amen. All very important things. So, if you're ready to receive Jesus as Savior right now, please pray this prayer with me, one phrase at a time. Bow your head and pray. Dear Father, I choose to believe that Jesus is your Son, that he died for me and rose from the dead, that I might have eternal life, and the blessings of this life. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Where I was weak, make me strong. Thank you for forgiving me of all sin and for receiving me as your child right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining me in the family of God. Dear Lord, I pray for this one that, that you would make yourself so evidently real to them in their, in their going and their coming, their sleeping and their rising, that you would bless them, that you would connect them to a local church where they can be around the family of God and grow in their faith and, and grow in their knowledge of you and of your word. 
In Jesus' name, amen.